Welcome to ACE Audio, the podcast that supports, educates, informs, and motivates manual therapists around the world. Hey everyone, welcome and thank you for joining us today. Again, myself, Sean Brewster and Bowden Ledden here. We're going to have a chat about uh, a topic that is uh, pretty important for every therapist in the health industry, regardless of your profession. It's something that is rife and not something we're all guilty of, but something we need to be aware of, both from an ethical, financial and probably moral point of view, which is over-servicing clients. Bo, this is, um, this is a topic that uh, I think we've probably both, both seen plenty of evidence of happening uh, around, the, around our country in the things that we've seen and in our, in our communities. What do, you want to, what do you want to talk about here? How should we get started? Yes, well, I think it's sort of when we say over-servicing, giving people that they don't necessarily need um, as far as overdosing them with the amount of treatments required. And, you know, from a, a professional point of view, you're the, the, the expert in the room, the, the therapist, and saying, well, you need to come and see me for the next 10 weeks, twice a week, um, which is probably not what they need. No, it's probably not. And you're, you're exactly right in saying that, you know, it is the, a case of doctor knows best and we are the role of the doctor or the healer or the health professional. And if we have built rapport and we've built trust with that person and we say, you need this, in most cases, the patient will take that as gospel and go, well, all right, if I can afford that and I, I trust your opinion, then I'm going to do that. But how could, my, my thing is always, how can you possibly know 10 weeks in advance that they're still going to need what you're providing for them? Exactly. It's, um, I think it's very much a, uh, a business mindset rather than putting the patient first. Um, and like any treatment, any person that walks through your doors, you don't really know how they're going to respond after the first treatment. Um, so it's really about, well, look, uh, let's see how you respond, reevaluate, you know, give them a follow-up call. And it's sort of this constant adjustment as, as we go um, and not being reliant on the therapist. Um, you know, as far as a lot of the, the evidence goes now, we need to make the um, more patient focused and, and allowing them to take control and not necessarily them having the reliance on, on the therapist. Definitely. That we're trying to build self-efficacy in our patients, aren't we? We're trying to make sure that they can manage themselves. The other thing is the human body wasn't designed to need our, our treatments. Like we, we were designed to function independently of support from external, you know, support, external help. So absolutely there are times when your body will be in a state of dis-ease and disease or dysfunction or pain. And people like us can come along and, and kickstart the process of you moving back towards better health, better function, less pain. But to, to think for even a second that the, the, the average human body would need someone like us to maintain health. I think that's a fallacy. And I know there's a lot of health practitioners out there that will probably disagree with us on this. Um, certain professions have this idea of like a wellness practitioner or health uh, maintenance and that, that you know, their, their patients need them on a regular basis to maintain health. And I think that is, that's a flawed idea, except for in situations where that person might be participating in an activity that pushes them beyond their capacity on a regular basis. For example, we've got elite athletes who are training on the edge of injury at all times. They're, they're pushing that boundary. Now, they'll occasionally train a little bit harder than they should and not recover as well as they should. And some treatment might be useful in the management of their performance, 
But for your average person who is, um, you know, suffering from sore back, sore neck, you know, migraines, headaches, whatever it might be, to think that they should have to have something like this on a regular basis or for long periods of time um, doesn't really do uh, them justice. It doesn't doesn't serve their best interests, I don't believe, anyway. Yeah, definitely. It's There's a lot of reliance there um, and it creates far more barriers as well. If we think about that from a psychological point of view, that, well, I can't do this because if I don't see my therapist this week, um, then I'm not going to be able to, to work the following day or I'm, I'm, then I'm going to have um, more higher chance of injuring myself or making it worse. So there's a lot of fear avoidance. Um, there's much more hypervigilance around their, uh, their behaviour, their exercise. Um, so we should be doing the opposite and, and empowering them and, um, you know, not having them rely on us, giving them the confidence um, to go about their, their daily life and, and activities, sport, exercise, whatever it may be, but be more of a coach um, and guide them, uh, not saying that you have to see me this many times per week um, or even, you know, look at selling people packages, for example. Right, yeah, and that's that's a real trap, isn't it? And I think that there's the package thing, which is where, for those who don't know what we mean, it's, you know, you come in for your first treatment and the therapist says, look, if you, if you could come back regularly now for the next six or eight or 12 weeks, you want to come in once a week, it's going to be this much money, or you pay up front, you know. Let's say your treatments are $100 and you want 10 weeks for the treatments. Well, rather than spend $1,000, let's give it to you for $950 or $900 and you'll save some money in for that. For the patient who's looking at that big number and going, oh, $1,000, I don't know whether I can afford that. Let's look at that $900 one and pay it off in installments. It starts to, it, it's very marketing driven. It's very business driven. It's not really outcome driven for the patient. And I've, I've met plenty of people, in fact, good friends of mine who have gone to see health practitioners and been sold into one of these packages and spent thousands, thousands of dollars up front. Uh, and found after two or three sessions that one, they weren't getting any results, and two, that the health practitioner wasn't re really moving them forward with a the plan. They were just doing the same thing week after week, hoping to get a result. And, you know, that's a classic sign of a scam, I would say. Yeah. And, Sean, when we look at um, that progression of, of treatment, um, that pain has a high emotional connection to it. So we're sort of um, using that if you are selling packages, it's sort of like saying, well, if you don't do these 10 treatments, then your pain is less likely to get better. So you mentioned before the, um, you know, ethics. Um, so that, that could be a significant um, implication there being unethical, but what about from a compliance point of view as far as health funds and associations go? Good point. You know, like um, I deal quite a bit with health funds in my work in an association and we, and we know for a fact that the health funds requirement of, of compliance for health practitioners is that there is a treatment plan uh, and that there is regular assessment um, within that, which means that if you have a treatment plan that says, okay, I think I'm going to need to see this person six times, and that might be the case in some in some cases. You know, there, there'll be some conditions where, you know, it takes a little while to get there. And as, and as part of that journey, 
you can hold the hand of that practitioner of that uh, that patient, move them through that journey, support them, and adjust the treatment as 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 needed. And that's reasonable. Um, but what if you get to week two and they are fifty percent better than you expected them to be? Or what if you get to week three and and a comorbidity has has arisen, or some other kind of factor has come up? And so it might mean that you need to give them a rest from treatment for a couple of weeks, or you might need to go to two sessions in a week. You can't know that unless you're doing the assessment in an ongoing way, both at the start and end of every session and probably throughout. And so a compliance issue for health funds is that, yes, you are doing regular assessment and you're not forcing someone into a commitment that is beyond what the actual presentation requires. Yeah, and and I think it's important to understand that certain prognosis and how long things typically take if you think for example uh, uh an acute disc injury we know that it takes three to four months for that to to resolve and, and symptoms to really improve uh, but that doesn't mean that we need to say that i need to see you every week for the next three months but we could give them the understanding look this usually takes 12 weeks to you know plus or minus a few weeks here and there um in that time Let's see how you go over the next few weeks. Then, like you said, extend that out. And then it's you're in control. You want to then be educating them on exercise and movement and and lifestyle changes and and all of these other factors that are associated with it, not just come back so I can um, massage or mobilise you um, every week. Otherwise, it will get worse because that, again, creates that psychological barrier for that that person um so yeah giving a, a guideline of how long things can take but not having a rigid structure as how many sessions per week they need from the get-go that's right and, and to build on that idea you know we are, we have an understanding in in our health professions that different tissues heal at different speeds you know nerves are going to be slower than than a tendon by a long shot and a tendon will be slower than a muscle and so on and so forth so while they are healing rates that we can kind of predict in most cases, there's a lot of factors that will influence that. And those healing rates will happen regardless of our input. You know, muscle, tendon, bone, ligament, everything kind of heals naturally through um, the body and its normal processes. Now, if we come along and treat that person every week, will that necessarily speed up the healing rates of those tissues? Maybe, sometimes, some situations, but not all of them. In fact, it may even impede it if the treatment that you're applying is not appropriate for the person. But absolutely what you were saying before about the, the, the psychosomatic influences of, of um, these timelines, you give someone, it's going to take you 10 to 12 weeks of treatment before you're better. That sets them up for the expectation that it'll be 10 to 12 weeks. And it may, if you had have said to them, it'll be four to six weeks and you'll be 80% better, which may very well be the case. Um, you probably guarantee that's what that's what will happen as well. And so whatever you kind of tell them, the brain kind of gets into the gear of that and then the body will do what it's going to do, but the brain may actually be holding them back, yeah. not from a conscious point of view, but from a subconscious input that you've, that you've given them with that timeline. Yeah, and so, for example, you, you, have, you go through your 10-week program, your 10-week sessions, whatever, and I was going to see you and, and I would think, well, Sean couldn't make me better in 10 weeks. My pain must be so bad. It must be the worst type of injury. How, how am I supposed to get out of this if, if the best person couldn't make me better? And then so that's a, a, a descending spiral where it was sort of, oh, what, do, what do I do now? I'm helpless. I'm hopeless. I've, I've got nothing left. Uh, and then 
or do we have to do another round of 10 sessions? And, you know, that would be certainly unethical. When someone's not uh, progressing with their treatment, you think, all right, well, let's do another round of it and, and see how you go. And if you pay up front, you're going to save a bit of money. So, you know, the financial implications when, when we look at a biopsychosocial model, well, that's, that's a contributor as well. Um, so we've got to factor all of this sort of stuff into to our, our, um, our treatment, but it realistically should be a week-by-week week assessment. How are they, or, or whenever they're coming in, fortnightly, monthly, how are you presenting? How has how the last few days been? What are you aiming to, to do to, to get better? What are you doing for yourself? All of this sort of stuff. Um, so it should be more of a, a running treatment plan, not a start and finish. Yeah. It's unethical to make the patient reliant on us is really the upshot of it, isn't it? Yeah. If, if they're relying on us and the timeline that we've created for them and the treatment plan that we've created for them, that's not that's not right. It's not ethical. It's not fair. Um, we really try to build that, like I said before, the self-efficacy for our patients. The treatment should be 10% what happens in the treatment room and 90% is the advice and the guidance and the, and the structure that you build around that for them to take home and go, right, here's what I can do on a daily basis. Here's the things I should avoid. Here's the things I should do more of. Here's the way I should sleep, move, eat, all those things to support that healing process. And to think that we can mag magically make someone better in, in, a, in a nicely defined square box of 10 sessions um, is just ludicrous to think yeah. that. Or if you upgrade and pay an extra $50 a week, then you can, you can get better four weeks earlier. Uh <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? And then there's the other side of that, which is sort of over-servicing clients based on their needs or sorry, or their require their request. So I've seen this with patients of mine where um, particularly those with chronic pain, they'll say, can I come and see you twice a week instead of once a week? Or can I see you more often? Or can I, you know, they're trying to get more of your time thinking that that will get them better faster. You know, we've got an obligation to be honest with our patients. We have an obligation to give the best possible service based on their needs, not the presentation they have. It can't be for everyone with patellofemoral syndrome, you give them this many sessions and this much time. It can't be for everyone with low back pain that you go, you need this many sessions because we know there's a thousand variables that come with every, every person that walks through the door. And so patients will ask more time from us or should I come back more often or should I see you more regularly? And the answer will be, or should be, I believe, let's see how your body responds. You know, if you're not getting better, you should see me less. We need to find someone else because... If you aren't getting results, that's my fault because I haven't either I either haven't guided you correctly or I haven't provided the right treatment or I haven't given you the right advice. But let's find someone who can do that for you because I don't want to have to waste your time or your money. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be more time with me doesn't mean that you're going to be better. Um, the more that I push and press and, and move you doesn't mean that you're going to be better enough in a short amount of uh, period. You know, having that conversation and that full consultation and, and understanding what other factors may be involved and yeah you might need to pull in another practitioner uh who's is good with exercise you might need to pull in a, a psychologist who's good at addressing those factors um it really should be a multimodal approach um, with pain being so so um multi-dimensional um but sean i think you know people might uh say well I have to get a certain number of bookings per week. So some people might be, from a therapist's point of view, be trapped between a rock and a hard place. How do you think we could overcome that? 
I don't know, I don't know, I say this a lot, you know, that, that there's a metric-driven approach to um, treatment numbers. You know, the employer is telling their employees, we need to see you rebooking 70, 80, 90, 95% of your, your clients. We want to see them booking in again. Uh, and I guess we've got to kind of ask the question, what kind of clinic are we working in? If you're a therapist, as in you are providing a therapy that resolves a problem, then to be driven by rebooking rates, again, is unethical, in my opinion, at least. And I see this quite a bit in physio, osteo, allied health professions where they are absolutely bound by their ethics from APRA law uh, and that they should never be straying outside that, but it still happens. We want to see you rebooking your clients. And, you know, it's, it's a tricky one because, you know, if, if that's what your boss is telling you to do and you want to get a paycheck at the end of the week, there's a fairly high motivation for you to do that. Um, the other side of that is, of course, are you providing the best service for the patient? I think in some cases there is absolutely a need to rebook patients. You'll know that that person will get better sooner if you can guide them, right? And there'll be some patients that will need more guidance, more hand-holding than others. My issue is when you're trying to rebook every single person that comes through the door because not every single person that comes through the door needs you or needs to see you more often. That's and where we get stuck. same thing. Right. You know, you're rebooking them for the same treatment rather than, well, next week we're going to be in the gym or, you know, whatever it may be. So some there's some form of, of progression there. Yeah, there has to be a progression. And the progression should always have an end point. You know, if, you, if, if the employer turned around and said, we want to see you rebook every patient three times because with our clinical reasoning within that three time, within that three sessions, we can see an assessment session, we can see a really good robust treatment, treatment planning session, and we can see a um, let's get you on with your life kind of session. That kind of makes sense. That's kind of one big treatment broken into three chunks. But when you're trying to book every patient every time into the next session, this is where we get stuck both from an ethical and legal perspective. It's not health fund compliant. I can promise you it's not. Um, it's not going to be in, in, um, in alignment with the constitution of your association. It, it absolutely won't be. And it's not going to be in the best interest for the patient. So it's a tricky one, you know, like this over-servicing both from the perspective of the therapist looking for the money, over-servicing from the perspective of the therapist who thinks they have the answer for everything and that answer will fit nicely into 10 sessions. That's crazy. Or over-servicing from the perspective of um, the patient wants to see more of you or your employer thinks that you need to see them more often. There's, there's so many things. We're torn, right? Every yeah. Be it feel like someone walks through the door with bony bruising and you go, well, 12 sessions once a week and I guarantee you'll be better. Well, we know that bony bruising can heal within 12 weeks. So. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, you know, yeah, like fitting it into that box, um, which is, yeah, it, it is a real challenge, particularly when um, you've got commission structures as well. You know, if you hit a certain number of clients or rebooking, you're going to get an additional 10, 15% per week. Um, so, yeah, it's it's really th that sort of, again, rock in a hard place between what the evidence and the research says and the, and the ethics um, would say versus that financial income and what what the, the business wants you to do. Definitely. And, and this is a, a great um, thing to recognise as a health practitioner is that our patients, for the most part, if they've spent any time with practitioners like us, as in a considerable amount of time, they'll come in expecting you to try to rebook them most of the time, right? That, that's, that's what they're used to. 
Um, and I always do this with my patients now is that when they get to the end of the session, they say, when should I come and see you again? And I'd say, well, hopefully never. Hopefully I've fixed you today or set you on the right path to, towards, you know, a, a better situation. Um, that may or may not happen, but let's look at some assessment, things that we can put in place to determine whether you need to come back, or whether I'm the right person for you or whether you need to go and see someone else. In an ideal world, I'd see every patient once. That'd be it. And I'd do a great job and they'd send me a new patient the next week. That'd be the perfect world. But we know it doesn't work that way. Yeah. How long is it going to take me to give you the tools that you need to manage your own symptoms? I'd put it. Yeah, exactly. Rather, you know, be driven by the outcomes of each of each individual session rather than be driven by, um, you know, what, what kind of structure I could, can I put around it from the start to see how long I can draw this out for? Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's something we all need to be really careful of. And I hope that everyone that's listening or watching this um, has a bit of a think about this because it's it's something that so many of us do, I think, automatically without realising because we were either taught it at school or taught by an employer that this is how these things work. And a true health practitioner should really be working towards making uh, or working towards creating a situation where your patient doesn't need you. Like they've just got the skills, the knowledge and the understanding to do it themselves. That's, that's a really skilled health practitioner when they can do that. Yeah. That educating them, you know, um, giving them the tools, giving them the, the, the confidence to be able to self-manage is, is, is uh, massive. And, you know, like you said, then they'll be recommending many other people. I only need to see Sean once or twice. Um, and that was fantastic. And, more people are going to come from from their referrals. Um, so, you, yeah, you, you still get a lot of patients coming through, but it just means that you're seeing many more different presentations and you're expanding your client base rather than seeing the same 20, 25 patients per week, however many you see, um, with the same things, doing the same treatment. Yeah, and I think most people would be surprised to see that those ones that you do kind of push out the door rather than keep inside, they'll come back and see you more regularly anyway because they know that they're not, not going to get sucked into another 10-week program or plan or something. They'll, they'll come back when they need you rather than when you want them there, you know, and that's that's a, that's a huge thing. And, look, I'll just say one more thing before I wrap up, which is I know that there's probably a lot of people listening going, but I see uh, Mary every week. She's got arthritic low back pain um, and her knees are sore and if she doesn't come and see me um, within her back and her knees ache and I'm the only thing kind of keeping her going, you know, like that's, that's, there's so many situations like that and our patients do become reliant on us to, to keep them moving. And I think there's value in providing that input where required. Um, but at the same time, if, if the intention behind that treatment isn't to get them unreliant on us, that's where the mistake is made. Like we have to be working towards what else can this person do to not need me? And if we're always thinking like that and then providing support where required, I think that's a reasonable way forward too. Yeah, like that treatment might support their um, reduction in pain in combination with other things, but it's not that you need my treatment to get you through the next week. Yeah, that's the mistake that people make. Absolutely. Yeah, great. It's a big topic, that one, Bo. We wrap it up there. Plenty of things for people to think about. Um, and if anyone's got any questions or comments, please send them through. We'd love to um, chat about this. It's a good one. Absolutely. Cheers. Thanks, everyone.